the painting up here, some of you that are observant, some of you very observant ones have noticed that that painting has been on the wall for three months, okay? Some of you did not. Um, people keep asking me, Dan, have you painted this? No, I didn't paint it. I'm not that good yet, and I'm working on it. Uh, Dave Maynard painted this for us. If you remember, about three months ago, we started this series Sermon on the Mount. And if you're just joining us today or just come in the last few weeks, we've been in this series of walking through Jesus' first sermon. And this is not a sermon that took place in an hour on a Sunday morning. This took place of likely over a period of few days, if not few weeks. And at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the very first message, what I challenged us to as a church body was to come to the hill. Come to the hill. Hear the words of Jesus over these months. And we've spent time looking at Beatitudes. What does it mean to be blessed when you mourn, was one example. And then we looked at all kinds of, difference of uh, different aspects of Jesus' teaching. Teaching on prayer. Pastor Martin brought that message. Preaching on, on, about worry and trust. And so here we are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what I want us to do today is we, uh, and if you want to go ahead and flip your Bibles to, Je- to Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, this will be on the screen, we're going to look at Jesus' final warning. And this last section on proof, these last three messages, Pastor Matt started us off a few weeks ago, and he talked about two gates. Last week we talked about two trees or two fruits, and then today we're going to talk about two foundations. Let me read Matthew 7, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, Jesus said, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I think the temptation on this passage is for us to focus on the results. I mean, Jesus is very clear. He's been very clear in these last couple of, of, of teaching um, parables and examples, illustrations, he's been very clear about those who follow God and those who don't. Some will spend eternity in heaven. Some will spend eternity in hell. In other words, some will be with Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, for eternity. And there will be those, because they have not followed God, will be separated for him, from them for eternity. Those are per, some pretty harsh, strong truths. In this day and age of not a lot of absolutes, that's hard for people to comprehend. But as followers of Jesus Christ, as people seeking to know him, we have to recognize that those things are truth. Those things are real. But what I want us to do today is not focus so much on the results. Now, it's not that it's not true. Like I just said, it is. It's very true. But I I want us to think about something that I think Jesus is speaking to here in this passage. And it's something that may not be inherent when we look at it initially. But it's really about something a little more underneath the obvious layers in this passage. 
we look at a storm and we see how a storm can, can come and beat against a house and stand, but also be destroyed. But I want us to think about something a little more specific, the process. What happens in this idea of building a house? Daniel LaRusso was in a new town. His mother and he moved in and they were getting, he was getting picked on as he went to school and other places in town. He was getting picked on by local bullies. So much that he wanted to be able to defend himself. And what many of these bullies were doing is they were, they were beating him up because they knew karate. And so he decided that he wanted to learn karate as well. And so what he did is he decided he was going to train himself. And so he began to learn a little bit. Well, once he started that, he learned that the super in his apartment building actually was an older Asian gentleman who knew the art of karate. And so he went to him and said, will you teach me? Finally, after some thought, the elder gentleman said, yes. Take a look at what happens. Daniel was starting on a journey. Daniel was starting on a journey that began with a commitment. And I love that, that conversation that's going on. And it's really a one-way conversation. But Mr. Miyagi says, you can't be halfway into this. In fact, if you're halfway, you're not going to learn what you need to learn. You're not going to grow the way you need to grow. And you will have a very difficult time knowing how to be a person who does karate. And so, he challenges him to commitment. But he also makes a commitment to him that he's going to teach him. So that commitment launched him, as commitments usually do, into a time of learning. Into a time of dedication and discipline. You know, in this day and age where there is not a lot of commitments that are made, it's a challenging concept. You know, many, many people ask me, why do we have covenant membership? Covenant membership is about the commitment we make to one another and to God. It's incredibly important. It's not to watch closely people that are doing right and doing wrong. We should be doing that anyways. Isn't that accountability for Christ followers? Not to hold stuff over each other's head, but to walk alongside each other and lift one another up to strengthen one another when someone is down. And sometimes that means, yes, Lovingly get in one another's face and say, you're not seeing the truth. So Daniel, com Daniel committed to it. Danielson, I should say. He committed to it. Mr. Miyagi committed to it. And I think what's significant is what we know about Daniel in this movie is as you follow Daniel, he has started this process. I think that's what Jesus talks a lot about here in this passage is process. We tend to focus on the end results, which are true and are important to recognize. But a lot of times we step back and we say, so how do I get there? And we want to get there the quickest we can and the, and, and, and the easiest we can with the least of troubles, the least of commitment. And Jesus talks about a few things here. And most importantly, what he begins to, to lay out to us is this thought, this idea. It's actually a truth of building. It's the truth of building as a process. Look at verse 24. 
It says, a man, you could replace that with a woman, a man or woman who built his house. Jesus recognized that we are all builders. It doesn't matter if you've ever picked up a hammer or not. You are a builder. You are a builder of your life. Look what Hebrews 3, 4 says. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Now, this passage of Scripture um, talks about the Creator, God, but also talks about this truth, this principle, that life is a God-given opportunity to build. And the moment God created you, you have the opportunity to build. Yes, as a child, as one being cared for by parents and grandparents, you don't have a lot of decisions in that. But there's a point where you're developed enough in emotionally and spiritually and physically that, and intellectually that you can make decisions and you build. I think this is so true before we can talk about foundations because I see many people live their lives and they think that they have nothing to say in how their life is built. They're either frustrated by things that have happened to them that have been out of their control. Welcome to the club, right? Every one of us. But what do we do with that? You see, every aspect of our lives is an opportunity to build. An opportunity, whether we had the option or not in that coming into our lives, we have the opportunity of how to respond to it. I don't want to be a person in my life and I walk around all the time making excuses. Well, I'm in a grumpy mood or I'm this or I'm that because this happened and this happened and this happened. It doesn't mean that it's not true. It doesn't mean it wasn't impacting to me. It doesn't mean it wasn't painful to me. But the reality is I have a choice of how I'm going to build my life based on that and everything else. The first question for us to consider is, so what does it really mean to build our life? Jesus uses this metaphor of house and life. When he talks about a house, he's talking about your life. And so when a man or a woman builds their house, they're actually building their life. And so what he says as he talks about that, what he gets to is the question underneath for all of us as we look at this is, what does it mean to build? Now the word here for build in the Greek is very fascinating to me. If you geek out on Greek and Bible study and all of that, then here's a word you want to study. In the Greek, it's oikodomeo. Oikodomeo means to build. Now most of us, if you went to somebody or I came to you and said, what does it mean to build? You would say something like, it means to construct or erect or build, um, uh, put together pieces to build something tangible. That's a very... A very simple, basic understanding, but an accurate one. Very accurate. But the beautiful thing about this word, oikodomeo, because of the root words in it, is that there's actually more going on here. It often has the sense of not just putting something together, but actually by doing that, the process is strengthening, making more able, making it stronger. Increasing the potential. So think about that with your life. Every situation, every personal interaction, everything that comes into your life, whether it's your choice or not, you have an opportunity to build your life and it to strengthen you. It to give you more potential to live your God-given 
responsibility, your gifting, and your purpose. I love the thought that this is not just about who's slapping stuff together to get through the storm. I don't want to live as a person where all I do is just get through the storm. No, I want something more in the storm. I want to be one of those people in whatever storm it is, or the storm of life, that I stand tall. Not because of me, but that I have not just gotten through it, but I have honored the one who got me through it. Jesus identifies, as we talk about building, Jesus identifies a couple of components that really have to do with how we build. You say, well, Dan, what does it mean to build my life? Okay, I have a responsibility. It's a God-given opportunity no matter what's coming my way. What does that mean to build? Jesus mentions two things here. The first one is you build by hearing. Remember this image years ago, and I, I don't remember where I saw it or when I saw it. I just know it's been a long time. And I, it was a cartoon figure of a person, and I believe it was a man, and there was this huge funnel on his head, and, and, and there's this stuff coming in. And that's our lives every day. We hear stuff every single day. You don't even have to leave your house to hear things. We hear stuff. Sometimes we have a choice in what we hear. Sometimes we don't have a choice. You ever walk into a place and you hear something, it's like, whoop, I would like to take that away. You heard something that if you chose, had the choice, you would have not wanted to hear that. But we can't live in a bubble. That's not life. That's not what God's called us to do. You have to live in the world, but not of the world. And so we hear things. And our lives are built on what, not just that we hear, but more importantly, what do we listen to? You see, every message that comes in, teenagers, this is why you hear from parents, pay attention to what music you're listening to, pay attention to what you watch on TV. Now, teenagers, I'm going to set you aside because you get that a lot. Adults, it doesn't stop when you become an adult. Your kids, your grandkids, they know what you're watching. And so the question is, is what's coming in? What are we listening to? What are we allowing to shape us? Because Jesus says in these examples, you can listen to my words, the truth of God, or you can listen to human teaching, you can listen to human philosophy, you can listen to human theory, but it's one or the other. See, in this world of gray we live in, it's often, well, you can do a little bit of both and it's okay. Not with committing to Jesus Christ. It happens and it gets gray because the world makes it gray. But we don't have to make it gray. This is not gray. It's very clear. But we have to choose what we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to Jesus' words? And some say, well, I hear things. Jesus didn't speak it. How do I know if, if, if it's right or not that I should listen to it? You know because you ask the question, does it honor God? Does it honor Jesus Christ, the Son? Does it honor the Holy Spirit? And if you got to ask a long time and question it, uh, let's just say it probably doesn't. <laughs> so we build our lives through what we hear and listen to. But Jesus mentions another one. We build our lives based on what we practice, what we do. The world is full of theories full of philosophies. And all of those things translate at some point into what we do. 
the decisions that we make. Again, I, I think it's common in this world for us to, for some, to check out and say, well, I'm not going to make a decision on that. Well, you just did. You just did. When, when you choose not to follow necessarily the actions of one way, then you have chosen to follow the actions of another way. So inaction is a decision. And it's incredibly important because our lives can be built on what Jesus says and our actions match that, which is what Jesus is getting at here, or it can be philosophies, teachings of the world. And let me just tell you something. I've never seen a philosophy, a teaching outside of Jesus Christ that resulted in something good. Now, it may show and look good in this life, but I'm telling you, the ending result is not good. There are, there are things that are said and spoken and taught in this world, and it looks good for a long time. But there's nothing like the words in the actions of Jesus Christ. Nothing. So if we're going to build, we've got to build by understanding that we build things based on what we listen to and what we do. Now, there's a key thing here that I, as I looked at this text this week, I, it just kept standing out to me. Jesus makes no specific distinction on what is being built, the house that's being built. He just talks about what it's being built upon. And I think that's fascinating because what Jesus is not saying, you are to be a robot and you are to build your houses exactly like the person next to you. And there is, there is a very specific and, and, and very set out ways. In other words, the law doesn't say that. If you look around you right now, every life is unique. Every house is unique. Think about houses you've lived in in your life. Maybe you've lived in a lot. There's a few components that are the same. Every house has a roof. Every house has a foundation. Different types, but everyone has that. Now maybe the uh, a third thing is that every house has an entry. Now maybe it's a, a, a hole in the wall, and that's how you get into a house. Or maybe it's this huge, ornate, big columns, big porch, you know, just beautiful, huge, maybe bigger than the house itself. But it's still just a door. It's still just an entry into that place. Same thing is true as life. Is there are certain components about our lives that are similar. Every life involves people, places, and things. And those things produce relationships, experiences, and responsibilities. But they're different, aren't they? They're different. So Jesus is not saying that, that this has to be some, um, some incredibly um, robotic, all of you have to be alike. No, Jesus takes the beauty that he created in you and that he allows the construction of that life based on him, hopefully, and that in that, life happens. But there's something similar to every life and every house. And it's what Jesus talks about with foundation. Now catch this, because I think it can be a little bit confusing. Jesus, when he talks about foundations, he's not talking about the actual foundation of the house, like whether it's a slab or a crawl space or a basement. No, he's talking about what that and the rest of the structure is set upon. It's built upon, built up from. That's what he's talking about. 
And there's something interesting about the biggest, most beautiful, most expensive mansions that you will ever see and the shack that you will see. It is four by eight, made out of plywood and two by fours. If they're not built upon something that is solid, they're not worth much. They're, they're, they're ineffective, better said. They're ineffective. They don't have integrity. It may look good on the outside. It's worth $3 million, and it's the most beautiful structure you've ever seen. If it's not built up from something that is good, it's not going to last. The same is true of a life. The question Jesus is getting to us in this warning is, what are you building upon? Not what's in your house, not what makes up your house, but where's your house sitting? So in other words, we, we can't look at things in our lives and excuse ourselves out of building on the rock because every house, your life, has some similar components, but there's a lot of different things involved. But what's it built upon? Look at the two examples that Jesus gives. The first one, verse 24. This should be on the screen. Like a wise man or a woman who built his house on the rock. Now, this word rock in the Old Testament makes a lot of sense. And if you think about putting a house on this, it makes a whole lot of sense. This is something that symbolizes God. It's a metaphor for God, and it symbolizes security and defense, strength, safety. It's not a little pebble. It's huge. It's massive. Something that you could never imagine moving. Now, in the New Testament, the word Petra, hold on to that for a minute, we'll come back, is about this great body of formation, this rock. That's what you want to build your house on. None of you would even imagine, no matter how much your house is worth or not worth, none of you would imagine saying, okay, that swamp right there, yeah, let's put it right there. I want a moat, okay? If you want a moat, you're going to do it in a different way. Rock as a foundation for a house makes a lot of sense. Makes even more sense for a life. Rock as a foundation for life in this metaphor with God, one who gives security and safety. Look at Psalm 18.2. Teenagers, this is where the name Rock House came from years ago when, um, when I set up the name, me and some volunteers. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I love that verse. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel peace when I read that verse. I feel like no matter what's going on in my life, is that Jesus, God the Father, specifically, He's not changing. He's not shaken by the things I'm shaken. He is safe. He is secure. And he offers that to you and me. This carries over into the New Testament. And it's applied to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it's applied to Jesus Christ. But what's very interesting that happens is that Jesus is talked much about in the New Testament as the stone that was rejected. The stone that was thrown away. But it doesn't negate the fact that he is still the rock because he is the son of God. What I love is that moment with Jesus and Peter. Hold on to that name, Simon Peter. Jesus, 
says, who do these people say I am? Later on in his ministry, many of you may remember, he says, oh, they say you're, you're a prophet that's returned, maybe Elijah. Or they say, yeah, they think you're John the Baptist. And even though he's dead, they think you came back as him. And then Jesus looks at Simon and says, who do you think I am? Now, now hold on here for this. Hold, hold on to this. Because Jesus asked us the same question. And Peter we all want to be Peter right now. A lot of times we don't want to be Peter. But right now we want to be Peter. Because you, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus replies, and upon this rock. Now there's a lot of confusion that says, hey, you're building the church off of Peter. No, he's referring to himself. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So what that means is this church is not built on Dan. This church is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. And you make that church. You are the church. And so Jesus, in that confession that you make, Jesus says, I will build my church. Because Peter, Peter the little Petros, rock, small rock, that came out of the big rock. Jesus Christ. It's grounded. He is grounded in that. You see, that's incredibly significant because when you start with rock, the rock in your life, you have stability no matter what it feels like. You have a security and you have a supernatural power. See, I love that because God is going to build this church not by any of our human efforts. He is going to build and grow this church out of supernatural power and ability from Himself, His Son, and His Spirit. Amen? That's so good. And I'm just telling you, I don't want it built on me. I don't want it built on any of you. I want it built on Jesus Christ. And if we put our lives on Him, grounded in Him, God will do amazing things through us. Because that's what it means to speak wisely, as Jesus says. To build wisely, excuse me. Jesus says, you hear what I say and you do. Well, Dan, I don't do it perfectly. Come on, quit making excuses. Seek to live for God. I know you don't do it perfectly. I don't either. But it doesn't mean we stop doing it. It doesn't mean we stop being obedient. Because at the bottom, at the end of the day, it all comes around not just admiring some nice teaching that we heard about on a little hill. Oh, that's really cool. That's nice. I may be able to use that sometime. No. I'm going to, I'm going to base my life on that. And I'm going to, everything I can do, I'm going to do, and I'm going to rely in faith. So I want you to think about your life for a minute. Where have you built on the rock? I hope you started there, but maybe you didn't. But maybe there's aspects, maybe there's compartments of your lives in a certain relationship or in, in certain choices in your job. Have you built them on the rock? Because that's Jesus' question here. But then there's the other one, verse 26. Like a foolish man or woman who built his house on sand. Sand as a foundation for a house sounds a little more silly to us, doesn't it? Well, of course, you wouldn't build on sand. The, the Old Testament word here, Hebrew word, is hewel, something like that. I never took Hebrew, so that's a little bit of a guess, sorry. But the, from looking at it, that's what it, it, it is. It's hewel. And what that means is to whirl, it's a verb, which is to whirl and dance. What happens when wind is blown across sand? What happens? That sand starts whirling, doesn't it? It starts dancing. You've had picnics on the beach. You know what happens to sand when the wind picks up. You're chomping on it because it went in your sandwich. 
See, it makes a whole lot of sense that you would never build a house on sand. It's loose, unpacked dirt at the very most literal, or excuse me, the most liberal translation there. It's not stable. It's not solid. It's not fixed. And a little bit of wind. You've built sandcastles. Kids, you've built sandcastles. You know what happens when the waves start coming. I'm starting to stick. I just realized it. I'm like, I can't get my foot up. Sorry. Squirrel. Okay. Some of you are thinking the whole part of your sermon is a squirrel, probably. But you, it just seems ridiculous to think that you would, would ever do that. Because when you, you build a sand castle, you know eventually the waves are coming. You know, eventually the rain is coming and it's not going to be there anymore. But how many times do we actually think that we can build on sand in our lives, with our lives? Sand is like human opinion. That's what sand is in our life. It's human opinion or foolish uh, theories, anything that does not honor Jesus Christ and God the Father. The works of man. We build on sand when we say, I'm going to do this. I'm go- I'm go- I got this. I got it. I've learned this. I've studied this. I'm going, to- I'm going to do it. That's building on sand. Because at the end of the day, God has given you the ability, the talent, the very life to build. Now here's what happens. We go to sand because it's quick. The image that the Palestinians would have been thinking right here is that they often had just torrential downpours and flash floods. But they had these big ridges, these these big areas of rock. But it took work. We have to go up to the rock and build our house up there. It's a whole lot easier just to pull some dirt around here where we're standing in the valley and build our house there, which when it was dry, maybe was okay. It's harder. It's harder to build on rock. It takes longer. It's not nearly as easy. But we know what happens when we build our life on sand. It's foolish, Jesus says. And it may be foolish because you've heard Jesus' words and you didn't do them, or it may be foolish because you never listened to Jesus' words in the first place and you've been building your life on everything else you're hearing. Look with me at Acts 7.49. Paul says, quoting the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? says the Lord. That's, that's, that's our question. That's your question. That's my question. You have a choice. You are building something. What are you going to build it on? You're going to build it on rock. You're going to build it on sand. Again, look at your life right now. Are there areas that you're trying as hard as you can to get that sand around and build up from it? The word here for house is oikos. It's one of the root words of oikodome, oikodome, excuse me, which is to build up. Oikos is what we would think it would be. It's a house. It's, it's, it's a dwelling. But something significant about a house and a dwelling is that there is a place to dwell, a place that you create to make it your home, right? You take your house and you make it a dwelling by making it your home. And so what Jesus is getting at, Paul here says, what he's quoting Jesus of, is who's making a dwelling place for me? Are you making a dwelling place? Have you given a place for Jesus to reside in your soul and your spirit? 
That's the big question. The question does never go away. We answer it initially and we continue to commit to it and live. And if you're here today and you've never allowed Jesus to dwell in your life and your heart and your spirit, I'm telling you, that's what it means to build on the rock. And you say, well, I don't know what it looks like afterwards. You know what? You don't have to know what it looks like afterwards, but you start with the rock. The rain descended from above. The floods came from below. The winds blew sweeping across and beat upon that house. In other words, it's life. Every direction Sometimes we build to fight against one in our lives. Okay, that person hurt me, so um, uh, instead of forgiving them, instead of acknowledging my own sin, they hurt me, so they're out. They're out of my life. I, I, have, I have created a barrier against that, that wind that came. I've built my life so that wind will never take me down. The point is, if the wind doesn't do it, the water's going to do it. If the water doesn't do it, the hurricane's going to do it. If the hurricane doesn't do it, the tornado's going to do it. But the point is, is that life in this fallen world, you are going to get beat upon. I know it's not fun to think about, but here's the, here's the truth. Verse 25, yet even though all of those things happen, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You know, Daniel learned from Mr. Miyagi, and he learned skills. But what happened was, is that he was given a lot of things to do. In fact, Daniel was fed up. He actually had hurt his shoulder because he was doing all of these things that Mr. Miyagi asked him to do. And he said, you're not teaching me karate. You are making me someone just to do all of your chores. Look what happens next. It didn't make sense to Daniel. It didn't make sense to him. Why do I have to do all these things that seem so mundane, so irrelevant, so out of purpose? You ever feel like that with God? God, why do I have to do this? Came by say every day. But I'm pretty sure Noah felt like that when God said, go build that boat. Really, God? Go build the boat. I'm pretty sure that Moses felt that way when he said, Go talk to Pharaoh and bring the people out. Really? I'm pretty sure that Paul, as he went on missionary journey after missionary journey after missionary journey, sometimes seemed very, very little difference in people's lives. I'm sure he felt like Daniel felt. I'm also sure Nehemiah and Ruth and Joseph, as he sold into slavery by his brothers. And John the Baptist, as he says, prepare for who? Really? Is he going to come? I'm pretty sure Mary and Joseph, teenagers, asked to bring the Son of God into the world. Felt like Daniel did. It didn't make sense. But obedience most often doesn't. But the beauty, and I love that moment. I love that moment where it clicks and he knows why. You know what? Sometimes in our lives, we don't see why. We don't see why. But it doesn't change who God is, and it doesn't change that we shouldn't build our lives on the rock. And you're going to feel at times, it's not going to make sense. Look with me as we finish. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6. As you come to Him, that's Jesus, the living stone, 
rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. The process mattered to Daniel. The process matters to you. Obedience is the process. That's the process. In church, let me tell you, we are going to be obedient. And it's going to make me uncomfortable and it's going to make you uncomfortable. But God doesn't build a church based on human preference and opinion and what we like and what we don't like. God builds a church out of obedience to Him. In a few weeks in our picnic under the tent, the worship under the tent on Sunday morning, I don't care how cold it is, I hope you're here. Yeah, if we got a pond out there, we'll be in here like we did last year. But I want you to come. I'm going to launch a series on a a vision series on, on being ready. That's the title. And I'm going to challenge us as a congregation over a period of four weeks to ask ourselves the question, are we ready? I'm not asking if you're ready because you feel like you got it all together. I'm asking you, are you ready to be obedient? And it's not that any of us haven't. I believe many of us have. And many of you are learning how to be obedient. But we are not going to stop because God wants to build this church. God wants to build his kingdom. And we have to be obedient. And sometimes you're not going to be happy. And I'm not going to be happy either. But the goal is not to tick you off. The goal is not to wear me out. The goal is that we are being obedient. That's what it means to build our house on the rock. So I'm I'm pleading with you. If there's areas in your life and you're trying to build on sand, stop it. Just stop it. And commit. Because the beauty of, even though Jesus, even though people build houses on sand, the rock is always open. And so if you started on sand and you decide, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. Most of us, right? And you're ready to build on rock. The rock's open. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been in church, the rock is open and ready for you to build everything. Because what God's going to do, what Jesus is going to do, is he may do a little reconstruction, a little remodeling in the process. But be obedient. That's the process. And watch out what God's going to do. Some of you have signed this painting initially when we started. And we've talked about it a couple times along the way. And it was your commitment to come to the hill. As I've thought about this, and I was not trying to be deceptive, but the reality is we should never leave the hill. Yeah, we're going to leave the hill in situations, but we should never stop taking what Jesus has taught us on the hill. If you've started to come to ECOB since we started and you haven't made that commitment and we had a few in first service, I invite you to come and sign it as a commitment to seek to be be everything that God's called you to be in your imperfections, in your failures, but yet building on the rock. Then I want you to come do that as we worship. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth and your warning. God, I would ask that you would take, take us in our imperfect houses and materials sometimes, is that, God, you would take us and you would build us up as we seek to hear, to listen, to practice, to be obedient, even when it doesn't make sense. God, take our worship now and receive it. Receive these commitments that those who signed this today and for those who signed in the past. Shape us. We're willing, God. 
We're willing. In Jesus' name, amen.